This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. And we are coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans Studios. You want to see your loan options? Adjust payments and closing costs online in real time, folks. Rocket can. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. 855-212-4CBS. 855-212-4227. Matt Merchell, Orlando Sentinel, college football writer, national college football writer. That's at 1220 p.m. Eastern. 855-212-4CBS. 855-212-4227. And with that... I bring on the great Ryan Hickey, who gets a chance to do Champions Pose as we start off this hour. Hickey, do Champions Pose. Ken, I don't want to say it. I saved your life. Class. In the discussion and warning yes. you that Rob Dibble and you, if you guys ever got into fisticuffs, he would kill you. Yesterday, and we had a conversation. Yes, let me, let me explain it. Yesterday, let me explain it, okay? We're having a conversation, Hickey and I, and he says, hey, I got your Rob Dibble for tomorrow. I'm like, great, <laughs> this will be perfect. He's a nasty boy. This is going to be awesome. And I don't, how did he get brought up? I'm like, man, he, he probably got in a lot of fights out there on the mound or whatever. And I'm going, I don't know why. How do we get to the conversation? I'm like, he's got to be in his mid-50s. I bet I could kick his ass now, right? Well, because you're talking about, you know, like you said, p- most pitchers, if they throw bean balls, retreat and, like, want someone else That's to, it. to fight. Exactly. So I'm saying, That's Rob right. Dibble's, he's a guy where if he came to the mound, like, that batter's going to get punched. He's not one of those guys running away. He's one of the few pitchers that's going to stand in. And for whatever reason, I guess you thought if you were a batter in charge, man, you would just you would kick his ass. No, I said in real time now, me at 34 years old and he at 57 years old or whatever he is. I'm not sure how old he is. Um, I'm just guessing when he pitched in the 90s, what was what, 94 was his last year, maybe 95. We'll put him at what, 55 years old, 50, 57, somewhere in there. Yeah, about 20-year difference, give or take. Okay, so he's 20 years older than me. And we, uh, I don't know how we got on it. I'm like, man, I bet Rob Dibble could kick a lot of guys' asses back in the day, but he couldn't kick my ass now. And you immediately went, I bet he could kick your ass now, Kenny. And I was like, no. I, I go, I'm 6'3". He was what? He, I think he was 6'3 or 6'4". Um, so Rob Dibble was a big dude. And you and I, I was like, I bet I could kick his ass. I'm going to bring him on tomorrow. I'm going to say, Rob, I'm going to kick your ass. What are you going to do about it? And that was a joke. And then at the end, I cannot believe he says he does some form of mixed martial arts that I can't even pronounce. You would he have would, been six feet under if you if I him drove out. If I drove to Hartford, Connecticut and offered to fight Rob Dibble, Rob Dibble would kick my ass all the way back to Streetsboro, Ohio. Kimbo Slice style. Backyard brawl. He was crazy. <laughs> 
of all the dumb things I've ever said or ever thought. I'm like, yeah, I, I kick Rod Dibble's ass, sure. Rob Dibble would whoop my ass. Just thinking, you'd rather be wrong, wow. like saying it, realizing it now, than making the drive. That, that would be maybe the longest drive of your life. Uh, then I'd have to, but remember, to Cleveland, I, Ohio. I'd have to go back to Hartford to get my truck. So he'd kick my ass all the way back through the state of Pennsylvania, through New York, the whole thing, all the way back to uh, all the way back to Ohio, and then I'd have to go back and get my truck with with a sore ass. <sighs> well, I know better to never ever test Rob Dibble. Eight five five two one two four CBS. Hickey, you help me out, buddy. Well done. You're welcome, Ken. You're welcome. Fantastic as always, my friend. Uh, Hickey, we're going to do it different today. We're going to do the top five at 1 o'clock because I think it's going to end up taking a life of its own, and I want to give it time to breathe, and I'm going to want people to get in, and whether or not they're going to agree with me or or disagree with me, that's going to be something in its own right. So what is the top – we we both know the top five. Usually you spring it on me. What's the top five that we're going to do at 1 o'clock today? Go ahead. Well, thankful or thankfully to the to the NFL players, they gave that's us this ten, one. That's 10 Pacific time, by the yes, way. Yes, 10 a.m. on the West there Coast, you, the great go. Gold Coast. There you go. Um, top five NFL players. Didn't think we had to do this list. The NFL players put out a list that uh, raised a lot of questions, so we'll do our own top five NFL players of 2020. Man, I've missed you. And I know you're going to leave me again in August because you suck, but either way, I've missed you so much. I'm looking forward to that coming up at 1 o'clock. I, want, I already want to give my takes. I'm not going to give away what I can sell. 1 Eastern, 10 Pacific, we'll go over the top five NFL players. Because I think the player – I'm going to tell you right now, I think the players got it wrong. And I don't care – I know you might be listening to 105.7 The Fan in Baltimore. I don't care. You can cram it with walnuts because there's no way he's number one in the league. And I'm going to tell you why coming up at 1 Eastern, all right? And you could give me all this gobbledygook about, well, you know, they, they're based on the regular season. Yeah, I'm sure NFL players are really going to hold themselves to that maxim. Well, we can only count the regular season. I'm sure they took it that seriously, didn't they? This isn't the baseball writers. These are other NFL football players. They're not taking it that seriously. I didn't even get a chance to run by you the one a top five that I wanted to run by. I've been dying to run by you for the last two weeks, and I wasn't able to do it last week with you or the week before. Which was what? Because, no offense to Billy, Billy doesn't watch movies. Billy watches the Nets. Billy would watch a movie about the Nets, but he doesn't watch movies. And I had my top five most hated movie characters of all time. And I ranked them Uncle Frank from Home Alone, uh, Grandpa Joe from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Number three is Jenny from Forrest Gump. Number four is Adrian from Rocky. Number five is Frank Rudiger, Rudy's brother and Rudy. Number six, as an honorable mention, Jack Bradfield, Rookie of the Year. I brought in Reebok. I brought in Pepsi. And I couldn't, I couldn't discuss it with Billy. Billy doesn't know movies, Hick. I thought I was bad. I'll say this as a, yeah, of I thought I was bad have, with movies, and you know I'm bad. You're Billy's, not that bad. You're not as bad as you think you are. You're not, I mean, Billy's Tom is great. Bad. Tom Benedetto is great with movies. You're, Billy, I, I think Billy just watches sports, and if there's no sports, like for the last four months, I think he's just been staring at paint dry. Like, that's it. That guy doesn't do anything else. Oh, we know we, we do know a couple of things that he likes to do, but I'm not going to talk about him because he's not here, right? Right, Hick? Right, and those activities weren't able to happen because of the coronavirus. So, yeah. Oh, really? Go ask Lou Williams. 855-212-4CBS. <laughs> okay, um, 
Do you have any problems with the top five on the most hated movie characters? Do you need an explanation for them? Like, have you seen Home Alone, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Forrest Gump, Rocky, Rudy, and Rookie of the Year, even though that's number six? I've seen, have you seen those movies? all those except for Home Alone, ironically. You haven't seen Home Alone? No, Okay, I so well, Uncle Frank, and I've, I've discussed this many times, and I do this every single Christmas, and I'll hopefully be able to do that this Christmas. Is, I, think, I think Uncle Frank is the worst character possible, and I'm going to tell you right now, it, I, I don't just blame Uncle Frank. I blame Peter McAllister because if it's his brother or it's his brother-in-law, it doesn't matter. Listen, I know Kevin's a handful. I know Kevin has problems. I know that he's seen as a problem child by his family. But you can't tell me that you're going to let Uncle Frank, your tight-ass either brother or brother-in-law, I think it's his brother-in-law, you can't tell me you're going to let your tight-ass brother-in-law talk to your son like that. I'm going to tell you right now, if that was my house and I'm paying for a vacation to both Florida and France in consecutive years, if you talk to my son like that, you and I are going to have problems. And you better be Rob Dibble if we're going to go ahead and have these problems. Because I'm going to kick your ass out in the driveway. I know I can't kick Rob Dibble's ass, that's for sure. I guarantee I could kick Uncle Frank's ass. I put that still on Peter. I put that on Mrs. McAllister. Because I think they're both stupid to sit there and think that Buzz, any idiot who looks at Buzz for five minutes knows that, that Buzz is one of the greatest morons in cinematic history. To be taken by Buzz, what type of moron do you got to be to be taken by Buzz McAllister? His name is Buzz. He's called Buzz. Just look at him. It reeks of stupidity. Uncle Joe, Charlie, and the Chocolate Factory, Jim Rome's taught us about that many years ago. Do I even need to go over Grandpa Joe? No. No, no, no. I think America knows about how bad Grandpa Joe is. That's the one good thing about social media is that people now know just how much of a horrible individual Grandpa Joe is. And I, I, I do want to say one little part of that commentary I do think that there were many Oompa Loompas who quit the chocolate factory because of Grandpa Joe. Like, I think there were plenty of Oompa Loompas who said, I came here to, to make chocolate, not to wash greasy old men. Make sense? Makes sense. Makes sense. Jenny from Forrest Gump. I know that Jenny had a rough up, up, up childhood. I know she had a rough upbringing. I don't think, though, if we're talking two wrongs don't make a right today because of bean balls and things like that, I don't know if that is okay to lead on Forrest. Forrest has a heart of gold. I think if Forrest was a real person in real life, he would be a billionaire, billionaire booster of the University of Alabama's football team and probably pays the majority of Nick Saban's salary. Has probably paid for multiple upgrades to Bryant-Denny Stadium. Do you see that happening there, Hick? I, Jenny's the worst. Yeah, there's like he. I would say. I would say that that Forrest now is the T Boone Pickens. God rest his soul. Is the T Boone Pickens of of the University of Alabama if Forrest was in real life. And Jenny, listen. I know you had it tough, but that doesn't mean you lead a person who has trouble learning. You don't lead that man on in his heart. I will leave it there. Adrian and Rocky were the greatest wet blanket in, in cinematic history. Uh, and p- there's so many people who disagree with me at this at number four. Adrian is Adrian is the succubus of Rocky. Rocky does everything he can. First off, she doesn't even want to date him. She's working at the pet shop. She's feeding dogs and birds, and here you got Rocky. He just wants to take her on a date. She don't want to do it. Then she's beholden to who? Polly, her drunk brother, who, by the way, Rocky doesn't even trust to be a leg breaker for Gotso. Rocky doesn't even trust. I want this to be underlined. Rocky doesn't trust Polly 
to be a leg breaker collector for Gatso. But for whatever reason, after Rocky IV, when Rocky fights for free for the good of his country, for the good of his country, when Rocky fights for free, for whatever reason, Adrian, who leads Rocky on or or plays hard to get with Rocky and tells Rocky consistently that he can't win, that he can't do it, because I know that she's under the guise that she just wants her husband to be healthy, and I guess that's okay. But obviously, they can't afford any single part of a lifestyle if he can't fight. You heard in Rocky too. he can't read. They only work with professionals. He can't read. You heard that yourself. So Adrian, through all that, knowing all that stuff, decides to put who in charge of the finances? Polly. Her drunk, irresponsible, surly brother. Does any of that make any sense at all, Hick? No, it does make sense. I agree. Thank you. And Frank Rudiger, listen, if, if you're if you're dressing and you gotta bre- you gotta beg your brother to get you to get the old man to go over and see you play college football, to see you stand on the sidelines in a uniform to live your dream, you're a real bad person. Frank's a really bad guy. I know that Frank ended up taking the old man out there. They ended up taking the bus over there to South Bend to go watch Notre Dame play. Frank sucks. Frank sucked then. Frank sucks now. Frank will always suck. Frank's the worst. It's a good thing the Rudigers had like a thousand kids because they could get away with Frank being a goofball. He's not even as bad as Johnny. Johnny dated Rudy's girlfriend after Rudy had to go. And I don't blame Rudy's girlfriend. I wouldn't have believed Rudy either. Rudy's five feet tall. He's 22 years old. He has a good job in a steel mill. And now because your buddy dies, you want to go what? You want to go play college football? I've been with you since high school. I'm looking at houses, wanting to do this together, and you want to go play? You want to go do what? Play play Notre Dame football? Really? I don't blame Rudy's girlfriend whatsoever, and I don't blame Johnny. Fine, go right on ahead and do so. That's Rudy's fault. That's not Johnny's fault. That's not her fault. Sherry, that that's her name, right? Sherry. I don't blame Sherry whatsoever. He wasting my time with this guy chasing this dream. Hey, congratulations! I, I I'm glad that Rudy got to play in a couple of plays in a college football game. Great, wonderful. That doesn't mean Sherry puts her life on hold for that. Get the hell out of here. But Frank, the entire time, you can't do it. You suck. I was the best in high school. Congratulations. You were a loser then. You're a loser now. You're always going to be a loser, Frank. Eight five five two one two four CBS. Is that good enough there, Hick? Was that good? Uh, that was that was strong. I like the Frank Rudiger hate. He is. Uh... Yeah, he, he's a depressing. Same thing with Vince Vaughn's character too. I mean, not not most hated, but another... yeah. But Jamie O'Hara, Jamie O'Hara comes around in the end. He does. Took him a very long time. Yo, it did. Still. Got one of my favorite terms ever. Called him a suck-ass the entire time. That was good. Era Parsegian. You've summed up your entire sorry career. I do feel bad for Rudy's buddy, who got offers, got scholarships to two Big Ten schools and ended up having to go to Notre Dame. Just let the kid go to Northwestern, okay? We all know that he got a scholarship offer to Northwestern. They're both high academic schools. The other one was Northwestern. You should have just let the kid go play at Northwestern. Better than being on the taxi squad over here for Notre Dame. 855-2124-CBS. All right, coming up next, maybe knowing there's going to have to be punishment enough. Matt Merchell joins us at 1240 Eastern. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. This is the Ken Carmen Show on CBS Sports Radio. Matt Merchell in less than 20 minutes. 855-2124-CBS. That's CBS Sports Radio's toll-free line. It's brought to you by GEICO. You want to save 15%, get to geico.com as soon as you can. Save a lot of money, okay? Save a lot of money. 
I got people. There are people who are disagreeing with me. I, I'm going to get back into the Joe Kelly thing here in a second. There are definitely people who disagree with me. Rob says, Robert says, Ken, bro, if you're attacking Grandpa Joe, you're twisted up. Just saying. I thought, listen, I'm not taking anything away. Go back and go on YouTube and find Jim Rome on Grandpa Joe. I guarantee it's there. He taught us that over a decade ago, how bad a guy Grandpa Joe is. I, I assumed we all knew. Grandpa Joe's a horrible person. Horrible. Lay there in bed for 20-plus years while your daughter washes the clothes of people who are much more wealthy, and you have to have your tobacco every day because that's what you need when you're dirt poor. Hey, they can barely put porridge on the table there for everybody to eat, but, boy, God forbid you can't have your pipe one day there, eh, Joe? Then all of a sudden your grandson looks like he's going to make it and magically you're able to walk. You're telling me that, that Georgette, and Josephine and Josina or whoever the, the other ones are, George, you think that those other three in the bed didn't hate Grandpa Joe? You're telling me that Grandpa George didn't look across from Grandpa Joe every single night for the last 15 of those 20 years and just dream of taking a pillow and putting it over his face? And you see the look of that house. No offense, you got to do what you got to do. I have nothing against Charlie's mother. She's doing everything she can. But that bed, when Grandpa Joe gets out of that bed, can you imagine the stench? It had to be unbearable. Four people like that in a bed? Holy Toledo. I mean, I, I, it, it's unimaginable, the smell. 855-2124-CBS. Go ahead, look it up. Because I'm not going to steal any, anything away from the legend. He already told you. Grandpa Joe's a horrible man. Nearly ruined all their lives. And certainly when they did move into the, the chocolate factory, they should have made a, a, a two-parter and showed how bad things were. Because especially with everything going on there at that chocolate factory, there had been a lot of Oompa Loompas saying, I don't need this stuff. I'm out of here. From Grandpa Joe, piece of garbage. 855-2124-CBS. Allen in Baltimore, you're next up on CBS Sports Radio. Go ahead. Hey, how's it going, Ken? Great show this morning. Thank you. Thank you. All right. I just I just want to say it's almost like you hopped in Doc Brown's DeLorean, you, got, you gunned it to 88, and you went back to my childhood because you woke something up in me uh, today. Uh, I agree with you unequivocally that Uncle Frank from Home Alone was a literal human piece of you-know-what. Yep. And Thank I'll give you. you I'll, give, I'll give you two more examples. In the first Home Alone movie, when the pizza delivery guy knocks over the statue with like $150 worth of pizza, opens up the door, takes the pizza, and then when he says uh, $144 or something, it was, like, one, it's it was 100 Alan, it was 12250 Tell the rest. Tell the rest, Alan. Yes. Yeah, he says, oh, it's my brother's house. And actually, I work for, I work for a global athletic apparel company, and that's okay. a running joke with me and the guys at my job. When you, when you, when you just... When you're just projecting that type of behavior, we just look at each other and say, ooh, it's my brother's house. See? Uh, this is this is what I'm – Alan, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, uh, people no. need to re- – it's a holiday classic, but part mm-hmm. of what makes it a holiday classic, Alan, is we all have guys – uh, honestly, we all have guys in our family who are like that. Uh, mm-hmm. We all have people who are like that. The, the, listen, you can be surly. You can be unlikable. The worst quality mm-hmm. you can have in you is cheapness, Alan. You know that. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, here's the second. Here's the second example. When they're on the plane and they realize that Kevin's gone, mm-hmm. Uncle Frank makes the comparison of Kevin, in, an entire child, to his reading glasses. Oh, yeah. And says, oh, I forgot my reading glasses. And I, I remember being like nine or ten or whatever that was that mm-hmm. Home Alone came out. And I said, you know, if I could, like ten-year-old me said, if yep. I could walk Uncle Frank up a mountain. And when we got to the top, I just tell him to lean forward. Terrible human being. Drop him Terrible off. human Drop being. Drop him off. Alan, I, 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 wish I, could, I wish I could drive there and give you a socially distanced hug. Alan, thank you very much for the call, my friend. I appreciate it, and I appreciate the kind words. I mean, I, ha- I have a whole conspiracy theory that I like to share during the Christmas time. I'm not going to give it away now. You're going to have to listen to me around Christmas. I'll share it then. I'm not going to share it now. Because are, are Peter and Frank brothers, Hickey, Hickey? Are they brothers, or is it her brother? Oh, I have to look that up. Uh, because it, it, it works with the conspiracy theory, and it's part of the reason why I think that Frank was pretty laissez-faire about Kevin being lost while they were on the plane. There's a big conspiracy theory that I like to share around Christmas time every year. Other people do War of the Worlds. I like to tell my conspiracy theory of Home Alone. 855-2124-CBS. Sean in Atlanta. Get me back to Joe Kelly here, Sean. You're next up on CBS Sports Radio. Yes, sir. Thank you for taking the call. Uh, The whole vigilante justice and beaning the batter issue is absolutely misplaced when it comes to this example because – he didn't try to hit anybody with the ball, number one. He threw the ball behind him by about four feet and ten feet high, number one. But then number two, he threw two perfect hanging curveballs on the inside of the plate when sent Correa to the ground, but the catcher never had to come out of his crouch to catch the ball. So how's either one of those examples beaning you, or, well, or exhibiting vigilante justice? Well, that's interesting. You don't think there was any intent with the missed, pit, with the missed pitches? Oh, I didn't say that, but I think he intended to throw an inside curveball and not hit him, and that's exactly what he did, and that's why I say they were perfect pitches. He sent the message, and the message was received, but he didn't try to hit him with the ball. Boy, Sean, you're the first. Now, now this is I, – listen, I, I can't say you're wrong. You're the first person to share this point of view, though. I got to tell you that. You're the first person to – like, we had Rob Dibble on. He didn't he, – like, he thought that there was intent, and a lot of people think that there was intent. He didn't say that. Rob Dibble didn't say that. Uh, I just listened to him. He didn't say that. Well, in terms of throwing at guys, he didn't. Oh, no, he, no, no, no. You say well, general I don't, he, he did not it, say. He did not say he intended to hit him in the literal sense. But exactly. we were talking about but it that's the entire. But okay, Sean, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. But I would say the majority of the, the point I'm arguing, most people thought there was intent. You're one of the people who doesn't think that there's intent. Now, most Joe Kelly's going to say. <laughs> well, Sean, that might be true, and I might be one of them. Joe Kelly's obviously going to say there was no intention, and there's that video that he had during the break here that that kind of sort of backs him up in that case. Most people are thinking there's intent, so I'm right, not right to assume. I'm not. I'm not yeah. right to assume that there's intent. You're yeah, correct that's about the that. Problem because the catcher never had to go outside of his crouch to catch those two inside pitches. Okay. They were perfect, and then the other one was so far away that he didn't even have to duck. It was behind him, and the angle was going away from the batter. That's How was true. that intent to hit him? That's true. I would still say, though, I would still say, though, that if we're acting under this, I wouldn't say that about that, Sean, and I think you're right, and I thank you very much for the call. You're not wrong. I think you're right on that case. I think most people thought that there was an intent. I think that there was a thought of tug-and-cheek. The fact that he did chirp back 
at Carlos Correa. Now, Carlos Correa could have thought that there was intent because of history, because of what had happened already in the at-bat, because of what had already happened uh, during the inning. That doesn't mean that there was. Sean's right. But if we are under the uh, if we are under the thought that there was intent, then it's something that I can't condone. And we're talking about now. I'm not saying it's in the ta- in the term of vigilante justice. A lot of people are telling me that the problem where I have it with vigilante justice is to me it's the same premise as Batman, folks. And and there is a little bit of a wink and a nod with what you saw with Rob Manfred and with Joe Kelly. You have to do something about that. That happens on the field. And especially this whole thing where Major League Baseball has made a total farce of what they're doing with the virus, but you're getting guys basically together to get into a very tested moment and possibly inciting a fight. He has to do something there with Joe Kelly. If a lot of us think that there was there was intent, Sean's arguing the intent, I have nothing to back up that Sean is wrong. Sean wins. But if we're acting under the assumption that there was intent, and a lot of people are, then if you're proclaiming it as vigilante justice and you say that something was wrong, I still say, yeah, that's fine. But somebody still pays a penalty if they go vigilante justice. It's the same thing as Batman. Commissioner Gordon, while personally it talks to Batman and works with Batman, the Gotham police are always looking for Batman because they know they don't need every Tom, Dick, and Harry out there trying to be vigilantes over here. We've all seen, even if you don't want to go back to Batman, folks, you guys have all seen Boondock Saints. Great movie. Not according to Rotten Tomatoes, but it's an amazing movie. Willem Dafoe knows exactly what the hell's going on. He's not stupid. Willem Dafoe figures it out. Willem Dafoe's okay with it. But the Boston police, they need to go after the Boondock Saints because they don't want every Tom, Dick, and Harry going out there trying to beat up people, trying to kill people, and doing that that stuff. Basically, Boondock Saints is nothing but Batman with guns. It's Irish Batman. And you can't have that. And I just don't think that two wrongs in this case make a right. Because to me, a baseball's still a weapon. Now, Rob Dibble disagreed. He said, listen, you can control it. Now, he did say if it were in the ribs, it'd be fine. Rob Dibble said, and the quote from Rob was, he didn't like it that it was at the head. Now, that's Rob Dibble. That's a major league pitcher. It's not me. That was Rob. So that's where Rob, I believe, felt that there was intent, even though he never said the term intent. But I still think of it in this, is that if Carlos Correa, and I can't stand the Astros, man, I'm sorry, I know this is a weird thing to say. I wish they would have been punished more. But if Carlos Correa would have taken his bat and whipped it back at Joe Kelly, we'd be freaking out. They're both weapons. Burke Campaneris did it back in the 70s. They're both weapons in this case. 855-2124-CBS. We'll get back to this. Coming up at 1 o'clock, I think the players got it wrong. I think jealousy is a stinky cologne. And a loser's always going to be the losers. And the Jets are always going to be the Jets. That coming up in the 1 p.m. hour. The 1 p.m. hour. Also next, Matt Merchell going to join us. Orlando Sentinel, college football writer. Everything about college football and uh, – you know what? I might be liking some of these lesser divisions playing in the spring. We'll talk about that with Matt coming up next. This is the Ken Carmen Show on CBS Sports Radio. 855-212-4227. It's sponsored by Geico. That's CBS Sports Radio's toll-free line. Do you know that right now Geico's offering an extra 15% credit on car, motorcycle, and RV policies? Yeah. That's on top of what Geico 
already could save you. So what are you waiting for? Visit Geico.com to learn more. College football season supposedly just around the corner, we hope. We know that the NCAA has come out with a bunch of different uh, styles of helmets. And we also know that I think what I saw yesterday, Texas had one, LSU had one, uh, North Carolina had one. Mac Brown showed it off. Says they're already doing the walkthroughs with it. They have a full face shield. Hopefully it doesn't fog up too much. Hopefully I don't make things too foggy with Matt Merchell, who joins us right now. Orlando Sentinel National College football writer, College Gridiron 365 podcast host. Find him on Twitter, at OS Matt Merchell. Matt, on a scale of 1 to 10, how cheesy – was that transition into bringing you on when I talked about hopefully I don't think I don't fog things up too much with you? <laughs> I, you know, it wasn't was bad. I'm not going to believe me. I, I, I had worse. So, no, that was, it, was, it wasn't bad. I, I got it. I like it. <laughs> Matt Rochelle joining us on the show. Okay, let's hear it first off and foremost here. Uh, give me a percentage that big time, big time Power 5 college football happens in some form during the fall months. Wow, um, I I would say at this point it's fifty fifty. Uh, I, I mean, hey, that's uh, better than I thought you were going to say. Okay, all right, <laughs> well, all right. I, I mean, I, I think I, I think a lot is you know we we were talking over the last couple of days about the schedules and how the different conferences are you know trying to move forward with this, but I, I feel like you know again a lot depends over the next you know month or so, next month and a half. If we can start to see some things, you know, numbers go down. If we could start to see. You know, maybe testing getting improved. You know, it's, they're working on trying to improve it and, and speed things up on a daily basis. If those things can kind of happen, you know, th- there's a possibility. But it's not a good sign when you're seeing what's going on with Major League Baseball right now. When you see the fact that, you know, they've had to cancel games and they're talking about possibly putting a halt on the season at some point, you know, until they kind of get a better grasp of what's going on. I think those kind of things are something that the, the – the powers that be in college football are paying a lot of attention to right now because they understand that could be them in, in, in three months, and they want that to happen. So they're trying very hard to follow what's going on, to figure out ways to make sure that those type of things don't happen. And I think it, as soon as NFL training camp kicks in, there'll be a lot of eyes on that as well. So that's why I feel like you know the longer we kind of go before the season kicks off, I think there's a better chance you could see some sort of football in the fall. Matt Marshall joining us on the show. Hey, can I just ask you your opinion on this? This is a totally different subject. Well, kind of connected, but totally different. I, I brought this up with, with Rob Dibble. He agreed with me. I think even if Major League Baseball was in a bubble, I think they'd mess this up some way somehow. Yes or no? Yeah, I think, I think you know, honestly, again, they struggled with this from the very start. You know, they, they, I don't think they understood kind of the concept of when you're on the road, when you're going to all these, you know, these different cities and venues how difficult it's really going to be to keep everyone contained in that bubble. You know, in the, here down in Orlando with the NBA and the MLS, these players aren't going around town, you know, going home. They're not going out of town to go to restaurants or go to clubs or do anything like that. They're staying self-contained in an area that's really kind of helped them out. Well, when you're Major League Baseball, you're going to different towns. Guys are going out to restaurants. Guys apparently are going out to places they shouldn't be going out to. There needs to be a, a really strict way of handling that. I just don't think Major League Baseball was prepared to do that. And, and we're seeing it really kind of – it's disappointing. I mean, NHL's in a bubble, NBA's in a bubble, soccer's in a bubble. They're all finding ways to make it work. Major League Baseball obviously couldn't get it done. So big-time college football, Big Ten, Big 12, ACC. Well, the Big 12 are kind of out there. We'll get to the Big 12 here in a second. ACC, SEC, looking to go conference only, trying to create their own pseudo-bubble in a way. And that cuts out a lot of mid-major programs – 
what should mid-majors do? What should Conference USA do? What should what should the MAC do? Should they think strongly about, hey, let's let's just worry about maybe playing each other in the spring, and maybe we can get good television contracts because people will like to want to watch football in the spring, or do they just kind of deal with what they may and, and, and try to move on to 2021? Yeah, I, I think what they're going to try to do is, first of all, they're going to wait to see what happens next week, you know, when the Big 12 finally comes down with its decision. They're the last of the power conferences you know, to make a decision about the fall. And then they're going to kind of move forward probably with their own with their own idea, whether that's going to be playing a conference-only schedule, whether they're going to try to add some other games to provide, um, you know, a, a little bit of economic boost, especially with the television markets. I mean, a lot of these decisions are being made, as much as they're talking about player safety, a lot of this is being made monetarily and, and involves the television side of things. You know, they, they're looking for content. They've got contracts that need to be filled. Each conference has a, a, a television contract that, you know, at some point they've got to find a way to, to inject that money into their individual schools because these schools are struggling. So if I'm, if I'm a group of five conference, you're trying to figure out basically what's the best thing you can do, especially considering the fact that the reason the Big Ten and the Pac-12 and a lot of these conferences decided to go conference only is because of the fact that they didn't feel like the group of five schools could find a way to test at the same sort of level that they could, couldn't afford to really test at the same level that they could. So if you're a group of five conference, maybe you go conference only, maybe you try to figure out a way to, to, to make it work. Um, I don't know if moving it to the spring helps out. I mean, I think it puts a little bit more strain on some of these schools. Um, but at some point they're going to try to find something, whether it's going to be a full schedule or not. Um, it, it remains to be seen, but, they're in the watch and pretty much a waiting mode until everything else gets worked out with the power five. Is it is it completely unfeasible to talk about spring football even with the big time college football stuff? Because I know that there's guys who they will just move on to the NFL and God bless them. That's the way it should go. But I I kind of look at it where I like the movie Major League Two. I'm probably the only person who does outside in Northeast Ohio wherever. And I remember Rude Baker said it's better to eat bleep than not eat at all. And I'm going, hey, you know, four college football games or six college football games or maybe eight in the spring, depending on what we see, that sure is hell better than nothing at any time until fall of 2021 maybe, Matt. Yeah, you know, I, I think the thing that would, would really kind of kind of derail that is this idea of what everyone else is going to do. If the power conferences are going to move forward and they're going to play football starting in September, you know, then what happens to those bowl games, you know, for those – for those group of five conferences, you know, bowl games sometimes can be a, a big, big help for them. Now, that's not a, a major payday, but again, it's still an opportunity. So you're basically saying we're not going to go to a bowl game, um, or at least we're not going to be able to face some of these, some of those prime, prime uh, you know, uh, opponents. Um, you know, you could make the move to spring if you're one of those conferences, but I, I think the concern would be you'd have to sit down with television and, and figure it out if they're able to do that. It's a big change, and 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 then you're also looking at this idea of. The impact on recruiting, you know, there, you know, if if Power Five conferences and, and let's say the American, you know, for instance, a, a group of five conference, but one that's been trying to push its way into the Power Five elite, you know, if all those conferences are moving forward, you know, they're recruiting right now, they're going to find a way to get those kids. If you're going to wait till the springtime, you know, that's right in time when when kids are getting ready to, you know, really get ready to start making their decisions to sign uh, their their, their uh, you know sign their letters and go to school. So you, you lose a little bit of that as well. And then, you know, like you mentioned, you got the impact of what's going to happen with the NFL draft. If the draft remains in April and doesn't change, you got a lot of kids in those group of five schools who may think they've got a chance to play somewhere. Um, they may choose not to play just for the sake of maybe possibly working out and preparing for some sort of NFL career. So 
Um, I mean, it's always a backup. It's always been a backup for everybody, the idea of playing in spring. I'm just not sure if it's something they're going to go to right now. One of the things I don't like that people bring up, if they can play in the fall, say they were able to play an eight-game, ten-game schedule in the fall, I'd love it. I'd absolutely love it, and I think obviously everybody else would too. But people go, well, what do we do about a playoff? What do we do about a national champion? Now, me, it's not my money, so they'll all tell me to pound sand, but I go, can't we just do it like the old days? If we can't have bowl games, we can't have bowl games. Let's go ahead and have the AP and everybody else vote on it. Why is that such a big deal? Yeah, you know, I I think everything that happens this year – it's probably a one-time thing. You know, I know a lot of fans are upset about, you know, those, those cross, uh, cross-conference matchups, you know, the Florida-Florida State games, things like that. They're thinking those are going to be gone. I just think what, when we look at 2020 season, it's going to be just a standout type of season. It's not going to be reflective of everything. So I agree with you. At some point, when we get down to the end of things, we may not have 40-some bowl games this year. It may be smaller than that. It may, it, it may just be down to the playoff when it's all said and done. The playoff may expand just this year because the conference commissioners of the power conferences may decide, since we're not playing full schedules, we're not sure if we're going to be able to get teams that are going to be able to qualify, we're just going to expand the playoff and take all conference champions and throw them in the mix and see what happens. I mean, there's things that they're on the, the, you know, that really be throwing out there on the drawing board that I think would be done. But it would just be for this one year. I think then once everything kind of got settled in, I think you would then see things kind of move forward. I think the biggest thing that people got to understand is everyone's got to be flexible. And I think every, every school official, every coach understands that. Because at some point, there's, not, there's nothing that says that three months from now, we don't have another huge outbreak and we have to stop everything, like they're talking about with baseball, and then you know maybe go a month without playing again. So there's a possibility that can happen. We can't just assume everything's going to go safely you know, for the next six months and not have any problems. So I think everyone understands whatever happens this year is going to be kind of different and something they're just going to do a one-time thing. Matt Marshall joining us on the show. Follow him on Twitter at OSMattMarshall. He is the co-host of the College Gridiron 365 podcast, the Orlando Sentinel National College football writer. Alabama, Auburn, Ohio State, Michigan. Do those, do those rivalries have to be played at the end of the season? No, I think you could move those up. And I wouldn't be shocked if they didn't try to do that. You know, again, like I mentioned, if they're concerned with this idea that who knows what's going to happen in two or three months, if they're concerned that there could be some sort of, you know, spike in in results, maybe they move those games up. Maybe they move those games to September. We're hearing a little bit of that, you know, rumbling. Is it this idea that, you know, some of those those matchups may get done earlier, especially – especially if you're a television executive, you want to see that. You want to get those games out there and be played. Um, I think those would be the games that they're really focused in on. Then maybe you could look at some of these other games and decide maybe they're not as critical. I know that, you know, with the Big Ten, you know, with divisions, you know, you want to look at that, see what's going on. You're the SEC with divisions. You want to see what's going on as well. So, um, I mean, again, you're, you're playing these games that would be big. I don't think they have to be done at the very end. Like I said, everything that's being talked about for this year – is, is just been it could be anything. It could be moving teams around the way they have to because they just want to make sure they kind of get some of these games in. Boy, I think that's a great point. Uh, real quick, I got like a minute left. Notre Dame, are they gonna? Is there any chance that they join the ACC, or is this just like you were saying? This is a one year thing. No, I think it's a one year thing. Listen, Notre Dame has has spent you know since its existence basically sending off this idea of being in a conference. They love the the independent model, and I think this year they understood. It, it benefits them. It benefits everyone else 
they stepped in and, and said, we'll be part of the conference this year. But then I guarantee next year, if everything goes back to normal and we find some sense of normalcy, that they'll say, okay, we're going back to independence. Because, again, they love to control their schedule. They love to move things around. Now, that's not to say that it will never happen. It just, but I think one of the things that it shows is that that agreement with Notre Dame and the ACC for all sports except for football has really paid off. Because now Notre Dame says, okay, we were looking at the possibility. We were going to have to piece together some sort of schedule you know, and, and make it work. Now we can play in the ACC, play the schedule. We can play for an ACC championship. We can play in the Orange Bowl if we, if we don't get into the playoffs. They get all these benefits that they couldn't have before. But I think in the very end, they want to remain independent. Maybe five or ten years down the road, that changes. But uh, as I tweeted out, this would be the year that Notre Dame would win the ACC, and that would just get everyone upset that they wouldn't come back and, and, and be a full-time member in football next year. That, that's the way this season kind of feels like it could go. Matt, thank you for the time, buddy. All the very best to you and yours. Hopefully we'll talk to you again. Hopefully we'll have some college football this year, my friend. Yeah, sounds good. You stay safe, okay? You too, buddy. Take care. The great Matt Merchell, Orlando Sentinel college football writer. Follow him on Twitter, at OS Matt Merchell. I got bad news. I don't think Notre Dame's ever going to join a conference. It's too rich. It's too good. And I made the jokes before. Yeah, you guys should play your games on TV land. That's back when you were good, the whole thing. It just makes too much business sense, folks. I'll break it down again when we come back. 855-2124-CBS. We go over the top five, and jealousy is a stinky cologne, America. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.